uh, this evening. Proverbs chapter. I'm getting close to my vacation, so expect those kinds of things tonight. Anybody need a Bible? If you'll raise your hand, we'll make sure that you get a Bible. Anybody need one? Yeah, there we go. Pray for the young man who came forward this morning to receive Jesus into his life. When he came forward, I discovered that he's from Israel. He, uh, his mom is, uh, his dad was a basketball player that went over to play in, in Israel, met a Jewish woman, they got married, he's lived in Israel his whole life up until just recently, he's come back to the States and he came to, came to know Jesus this morning. What a wonderful uh, blessing there. So, Father, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your love for us, we thank you for this young man who gave his life to Jesus this morning. We pray your, your special blessing upon his life, Lord. Just fill his heart to overflowing. Lord, we know that the battle starts now. And so give him grace, give him strength, give him power, give him wisdom, give him, him friends around him that will share your word and point him to you. Help him to continue to grow. Help us all, Lord, to continue to grow. Lord, it wasn't too long ago before we made that decision to give our lives to you. And Lord, how far you've brought us. We're so grateful. But Lord, we know how far we have to go. And so continue to strengthen our faith as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs are short, pithy statements designed to catch your attention and make you think. They speak the truth in skillful and in catchy ways. Now, to correctly understand a proverb, you need to realize that the proverb is not a promise. Sometimes we mistakenly think of proverbs as guarantees. Not so. A proverb is more of a probability than it is an ironclad promise. A proverb is an observation about life. In essence, when someone gives us a proverb, they're saying, this is how life usually turns out. And the key word there is usually. Exceptions can be found to most proverbs. For example... Proverbs 10, verse 27. This is what it states. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Usually that's true. I mean, generally speaking, godliness makes for a better and a longer life. But we all know cases where evil people grow old and where good people die young. There are exceptions to the rule. Here's another example. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. More often than not, that's true. But again, we all know exceptions where a child trained properly still went astray. You see, to accurately interpret the Proverbs, you have to place a prefix before the proverb. Basically, the odds are, in most cases... More often than not, sadly, there are very few guarantees in a fallen world. But if you keep the Proverbs, you'll definitely raise the likelihood of a healthy and a happy life. Well, the first nine chapters here of Proverbs are organized around two ladies. I have a daughter and a wife, and most of my life has been organized around two ladies. Solomon here organizes the Proverbs around two ladies, so far, the first nine chapters, Solomon has warned his son about one woman 
the immoral woman. He's talked about her intentions and how to avoid her and the consequences of of getting too close to her. You'll get burned. Instead of the immoral woman, Solomon tries to fix his son up with Lady Wisdom. She's the woman of your dreams. She's the woman who can give you a better life. Court wisdom, not the immoral woman. Those are the first nine chapters. Now for the next 20 chapters, the Proverbs are not quite as structured. King Solomon will seem to string together a random collection of individual Proverbs. This is the rest of the book, the next 20 chapters. I like what commentator Robert Allen says about this book. He says, Proverbs is a collection of sayings with no arrangement, outline, order, or progression. When you think about it, however, life is like that. We try to bring order to life, but opportunities and crises and unexpected intrusions come. Perhaps that is why Proverbs comes to us in the form that it does. You know, oftentimes you live life by just taking the next thing day by day. I I like the old saying, Yard by yard, life is hard. Inch by inch, life's a cinch. Sometimes you just take what comes. You just have to play the hand that you've been dealt. And that's what we find in the Proverbs. We're going to take these Proverbs one at a time. And as we go through this, what seems to be a random string of Proverbs, God will give us wisdom in every area of our life. Well, Proverbs chapter 10 begins with these words. The Proverbs of Solomon... A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. My mom and dad are here, that's why I skipped over that first verse there. I hope the first part of that is true. A wise son has made a glad father. I hope the second part of that is not true. A foolish son is the grief of his mother, at least in regards to my mom and dad. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Man, money can buy you a lot in life, but it's useless in the life to come. Righteousness is the medium of exchange that counts in eternity. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers after death. Verse 3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of the wicked. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. A slack hand belongs to a lazy man. The opposite of slack is diligent. The diligent man stays at it. He works hard. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give out. You know, I've taught my kids, my boys particularly, that if they're on time, and if they work hard, and if they care about what they do, Instantly, they have distinguished themselves from about 90% of today's workforce. And we're not yet talking about talent or education. That's a resume bonus. Golfer Gary Player once said, the harder I work, the luckier I got. I think that's true for most of us. Be diligent in your work. The hand of the diligent makes rich, he says. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. In other words, some jobs are seasonal. you got to work while the work is available. Try to pace yourself and you'll miss out on the opportunity. Gather now. There'll be plenty of time to sleep later, he's saying. 
Blessings are at the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous, in other words, his reputation, is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. In other words, a righteous man will be fondly remembered. When the wicked dies, we're all glad that he's gone. He says, the wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Prating means idle chatter. This is the guy or the gal who just likes to talk and never listen. Know anybody like that? You know, God gives us two ears and one mouth because he wants us to listen twice as much as we talk. The wise man listens and receives commands. Verse 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Speak the truth and you don't have to remember what you said. If you're a liar, you better have a good memory or you'll get caught in one of your lies. He's saying here, honesty and integrity provide us a sense of security. He says, he who winks with the eye causes trouble, but a prating fool will fall. A man who winks casts doubt on what he thinks. I mean, you you say something and then you wink. What do we wonder? Did he really mean what he said? Does he have some ulterior motive, some hidden agenda? He says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Notice this, words come from one of two sources. They flow from life or they flow from death. A righteous heart speaks words that promote life, whereas a wicked heart speaks words that cause strife and division. You know, here Solomon acknowledges that there is such a thing as verbal abuse. He says, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. A wicked man can do violence not only with his hands, but also with his words. Verbal abuse is a very, very real danger. With words, friendships can be severed, marriages can be broken, kids can be wounded, churches can be split. A wicked person can do much violence with their words. Here he says that hatred fractures, whereas love covers, which prevents division. You see, love is the oil of relationships. It's the grease that keeps the relational gears churning. Love forgives. It refuses to hold a grudge. It allows for fresh starts. 1 Corinthians 13 says it best. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Hey, love never fails. He says wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding. But a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. In other words, he's saying that a fool could use a good beating from time to time. Something just to wake him up. I I mean, have you ever seen somebody or dealt with somebody and you thought to yourself, man, that guy just needs to be taken to the woodshed. I wish somebody would just take that guy out behind the barn for a little while. You know know what that means? That's what he's saying here about the fool. You know, but a rod for the back of him who is devoid for understanding. Some guys just need to get beat up every now and then just to wake them up and keep them on the right track. Somebody say amen. Okay. 
Wise people store up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Hey, are you storing up knowledge? Do you read your Bible? Do you memorize it? Do you study it? Do you apply it to your heart? Knowledge is to be stored. He says the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Remember, it's not money that's the root of all evil, but the love of money. We know that. Actually, money is a tool that can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Here we're told that when a rich man uses his wealth wisely, it protects and it provides for him and his family like a strong city. I mean, because of money, he's not scavenging around for his next meal or for a place to sleep. Money can bring to him a degree of security that will allow him to engage in other pursuits, godly pursuits. You know, you don't worry about the next meal's coming from, so you can go to church and you can raise your family and you can do things with your kids. He says, the labor of the righteous leads to life, the wages of the wicked to sin. Notice how a person spends his money, whether it leads to life or to sin, depends on what's in that person's heart. Is it righteous or is it wicked? He says, he who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Boy, we should take note of that. He who restrains his lips is wise. You know, I've discovered the longer I keep my mouth open, the more opportunity I have to put a foot in it. The Greek philosopher Plato once said, Wise men talk because they have something to say. Fools because they have to say something. Are you one of those people who talks because you've got something to say or because you have to say something? Talk a lot and invariably you get into trouble. Notice this, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Hey, there is much wisdom and much protection in being a person of few words. You know, when Pastor Chuck used to visit us for the pastor's conference, we we would have to act as his chauffeur. We'd go down to the airport, we'd pick him up, bring him back. And it was always awkward. Because we have such respect and admiration for Pastor Chuck. We're riding in the car with him. And and the thing about Chuck is he never said much. And so you'd just go for miles and you'd have this kind of awkward silence, you know. I mean, Chuck Smith is not a talker. He is a man of very few words. I think it's a mark of wisdom. The less you say, the less trouble you're going to get. I like the old poem, a wise old owl, he said in the dark. I'm sorry, a wise old owl. He sat in an oak. The more he saw, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he heard. Let's try to imitate that wise old bird. He goes on, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You know that money... And prosperity can bring complication, can they not? Oftentimes, prosperity brings a degree of sorrow with it. Worldly blessings come with baggage. Man, you really love that brand new car you got until until you suddenly hit with the insurance premiums. Oh my, 
My insurance went up. Worldly blessings come with baggage, but God's gifts, they have no downside. God's gifts are hassle-free. Verse 23, to do evil is like a sport to a fool, but a man of understanding has wisdom. Evil to a fool is like a game. He's playing games. Can he win and not get caught? That's his goal. He said, a man of understanding has wisdom. The fear of the wicked will come upon him. In other words, he won't be able to escape what he fears. The desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes by, the wicked is no more. In other words, sinners eventually get blown away. But the righteous has an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. I mean... Vinegar is sour to the taste buds, is it not? Smoke irritates the eyes. And likewise, a lazy man frustrates his employer. Colossians 3 verse 17 reads, Whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is no excuse for a Christian not to be the hardest working person in the office. Not to be the most diligent employee on the job. You can't be a witness in an irritation at the same time. Are you vinegar to their tongue? Are you smoke in their eyes? Or are you a blessing to your employer and fellow employees? We're told the fear of the Lord prolongs days. But the years of the wicked will be shortened. Fear God and chances are you'll live longer. You'll live better. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. In other words, the righteous person has a reason to be optimistic. I mean, God is in his life. Whereas the wicked person can be as positive as he wants to be. I mean, he can be a Tony Robbins disciple. But without God, he'll eventually perish. All the optimism in the world won't help you if you're living without the Lord. He says, the way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. And here he's thinking of the end of the age. He says, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Don't speak a word of slander. And then sort of shrug your shoulders and and, and say you didn't realize what you said. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't think you'd take it that way. Of course you knew how that would be taken. You know, we all can differentiate helpful words from harmful words. Don't don't say harmful words or slanderous words and and then shrug your shoulders and pretend that you didn't know what you said. Proverbs 11 verse 1. Mandates honest business practices. Truth in advertising, he says. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. In ancient times, people uh, did business with the scales. Put the produce on one side, the money on the other side, or whatever it was they were, commodities of exchange. They would use the scales to divide up how much things cost. And here an ancient crook, 
he, he would succeed in tinkering with the scales. Oftentimes, he would have two sets of scales. You know, on the distribution scales, his ounce was half an ounce. On the payment scales, his ounce was an ounce and a half. He had it always, he had it tinkered so that he would come out on the better end. Here's the point. Be honest in your business practices. Don't cheat other people. Don't include little hidden charges. Deliver exactly what you promise. What the buyer sees is what the buyer gets. That's the way we need to do business. He says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Notice this. Pride and wisdom are strangers to each other. Pride and wisdom don't hang out together. I mean, pride drives away wisdom and wisdom drives away pride. He says, the integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. You know, integrity is a great guide. You know, if you're a person of integrity, if you've made integrity a priority, that means that decisions and directions become much clearer for you. It's much easier to make decisions if you're a person of integrity. If you've concluded ahead of time that you're going to do what's right regardless. He says in verse 4, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Again, all the world's money won't help you one bit on judgment day. A right relationship with God is what's going to matter then. Verse 5, The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, notice this, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. Oscar Wilde was a brilliant wit and an amazing writer. He won many literary awards. In fact, Wilde had everything going for him. But he became a slave to his own lusts. And it was his own wickedness that brought him down and ruined his life. I want you to listen to Oscar Wilde's sad confession. He said, I had almost everything. But I let myself be lured into long spells of senseless and sensual ease. Tired of being on the heights, I deliberately went to the depths in search of new sensation. What the paradox was to me in the sphere of thought, perversity became to me in the sphere of passion. I grew careless of the lies of others. I took pleasure where it pleased me and passed on. I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character and that therefore what one has done in the secret chamber one has some day to cry aloud from the housetop. I ceased to be the Lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my soul and did not know it. I allowed pleasure to dominate me and I ended in horrible disgrace. Sobering, isn't it? This is what Solomon predicts. The unfaithful will be caught by their lust. He says, when a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish. And the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble. And it comes to the wicked instead. Read the story of Esther. <laughs> what a wonderful example. The wicked Haman, he ends up swinging from the gallows that he built for old Mordecai. 
The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. Reminds me of the the guy who was breaking into the store. And he reached down and he grabbed a manhole cover. And he threw it through the window. And he went in and robbed the store. But when he was coming out, he fell into the manhole. The righteous is delivered from trouble, but it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And, with the, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. Hey, everybody likes to see the good guy win, don't we? Isn't there something about, we want justice. God's put it in our hearts. We want to see the good guy win. Verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Boy, a wise man or woman knows how to hold their tongue. Do you realize just because you think a thought doesn't mean you have to say it? Has that dawned on you yet? The wise person can hold their tongue. They can hold their peace. Chapter 11, verse 13. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. The Hebrew word translated talebearer means blabbermouth or tattletale. I mean, guys, just because a statement is true and you know it, doesn't mean it's appropriate for you to tell it. It could be none of your business. It could be that you just need to keep your mouth closed. You know, some people just like to talk about other people. It's sad. I've heard this statement. I think it's true. Great minds talk about ideas. Mediocre minds talk about things. But inferior minds... Talk about people. If you talk about people, if that's what you sit down and, and you and your husband, you sit down and at night, you sit down at the dinner table and start talking about so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. You're just proving that you're, you're a midget. You got a little midget mind. You're a little person. You know, you, you're, you have an inferior mind. Great minds talk about ideas. Things that God is doing. Scriptures, thoughts of God. Be careful. You know, I learned a long time ago, if the person I'm talking to is willing to talk about somebody else, then they're willing to talk to somebody else about me. It's true. Be careful when you talk to somebody else about another person. They're going to turn around and talk about you. Verse 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, oftentimes the the best way to get a good idea is to get a lot of ideas. Various counselors eliminate blind spots. They force you to look at a situation from different angles. It's important. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. The idea in verse 15 appears over and over in Proverbs. This is is something that's reiterated. We saw it at the beginning of chapter 6, and we'll see it again in chapter 17, verse 18, and chapter 22, verse 26. Here's verse 15. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. 
In other words, don't co-sign on someone else's loan. If a person can't secure a loan on their own, don't you get involved. There is a reason they can't qualify for that loan. If you co-sign, you're setting both them and you up for financial failure. You know, over the years, folks have come to me and they've asked me if I would co-sign for a loan. And I always, I always have refused. It's not biblical. No, hey, I may have the money. I may give you the money. You know, I'm cool with that. But I'm not going to co-sign for you. The Bible tells me not to. We shouldn't obligate ourselves for other people's loans. He says, a gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but, the, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Now those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished. In other words, you can't team up against God. It doesn't matter who you team up with. If you're against God, you're going to be punished. But the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. Got a picture for you. There we go. What a vivid picture. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. All the gold in the world doesn't make a pig less ugly. And the point here is that smoking hot good looks doesn't make living with a foolish woman any less of an aggravation or a pain in the neck. I don't care how pretty she is. How smoking hot, good looking she is. If she's a pain in the neck, man, it's going to get old. Physical attractiveness may be high on the list when you're looking for a wife. But it's not all that important once you've got a wife. And you're trying to live with that wife. That's when you want somebody with wisdom. And someone with a winsome personality. And someone with kindness. And someone with mercy. As the old saying goes, beauty is only skin deep. I'm glad I got a wise wife. A wonderful wife. A winsome wife. And she's a smoking hot, good looking woman. I got it all. The desire of the righteous is only good. But the expectation of the wicked is wrath. In other words, the content of your heart is what is going to color your life, the outlook of your life. Verse 24 and 25 teach us to be givers to God and gracious to people. He says, there is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Notice this. The guy who scatters, what happens? It comes back to him. He gains more. But the guy who wants to hold on to it, he ends up losing it. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Isn't this what Jesus said? 
Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. Paul echoes his Lord in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Solomon says the guy who holds back from God ends up with it slipping from his fingers. Whereas, give it to God for safekeeping and God will return it to you with interest. He says, the people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. People will curse him who withholds grain. In other words, nobody likes a stingy person. You don't get very far in life if you're going to be stingy and if you're going to be greedy. Once there was an owner of a successful company. He was a man who had all the trappings of affluence and prosperity. And he was called on by a charity. They were requesting a sizable contribution. He sat down with the representative and he said, Now wait a minute. There's some facts about me that you don't know about. First of all, did you realize that my mom is in a very expensive nursing home? The the, the recruiter said, No, no, I, I didn't know that. Well, did you know that my brother recently died and he left his family of five with no insurance? The guy said, no, no, I didn't realize that. Well, did you hear that my son is on the mission field and he needs my support? He said, no, no, I didn't realize that either. The fellow said, well, if I don't give any money to them, what makes you think I'm going to give any money to you? Hey, nobody likes a tightwad or a stingy person, okay? He goes on, verse 27. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor. But trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. Notice this, he who troubles his own house. Are you troubling your own house tonight? You know, a dad troubles his house when he's never home or when he drinks too much. A mom troubles her house and her family when they have to play second fiddle to her career or when she's always nagging at her husband or her kids. A teenager troubles his house with disrespect and a rebellious attitude. Are you troubling your own house tonight? Verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. Here is why you and I are taking up space on planet earth. God has us here to win souls. And i got to ask you, when was the last time you prayed with another person and invited Jesus into their life? Is that convicting to you? Well, if you haven't prayed with someone for a while, it should be. We are here to win souls. He who is wise is those who win souls. Tragically, too many Christians are like the Arctic River, frozen over at the mouth. It's their problem. Oh, well, I'm just a witness by the way I live. Well, okay, that's good. That's good. You've got to be a witness by the way you live. But you also got to open your mouth. And, and you've got you to invite someone to pray, to receive Christ. You've got to be verbal in your witness as well. Jesus has called us all to go into all the world, which includes our neighborhood and our schools and our office and the ballpark. Go into all the world and share the gospel. He says, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. Boy, the wages of sin is due even before some people die. 
Well, chapter 12 begins, Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. Notice this verse. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Ladies, here it is. Here's your choice. You can be a crown on your husband's head, or you can be a cancer in his bones. You can be his greatest blessing, or you can be his worst curse. You see, an excellent wife, she believes in her husband. She understands her man's needs, how to support him, how to prop him up. She pleases him sexually. Whereas a wife who causes shame, she's someone who's never pleased. She doubts him at every turn. She makes little cutting comments all the time. She thinks only of her own happiness. She manipulates him by withholding sex and support. I mean, every wife here tonight is either a crown or a cancer. You're an ornament on your husband's head or you are rottenness in his bones. I mean, a wife holds incredible sway over her husband. Ladies, you are shaping your husband for better or for worse. Through a wife's wise influence, a husband can soar off the launching pad and conquer the moon. Or that same wife can sabotage the mission. Well, verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. That's That's a great proverb. What he's saying here is that public perception is a deception often. Press releases never tell the whole story. In other words, it's far better to be overlooked by the public, to be slighted. It's far better to be slighted by the public, but to have that servant say good things about you. Or or, or to have that family that's around you most often say good things about you. You know, it's better to have the respect of the people who know you most. That's what he's saying than to have this public rep- reputation. Better to be honored by the man who works with you than by someone who doesn't know you and just writes a flattering article. That's what he's saying. Now here's a verse for the animal lovers in the crowd. Any animal lovers in the crowd? Yeah, here's a verse for you. Verse 10. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. The righteous man, he cares about his dog. I mean, he realizes that animals are created by God as well. And so he keeps his dog from barking all hours of the night so his neighbor doesn't kill it. He cares about his dog. Whereas we're told the 
tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. The pit bull owner, he, he spends a lot of time with his dogs, but he's beating them and he's torturing them and he's you know, stirring up strife and aggression in their heart. You know, we all should live in such a way to where if our dogs could talk, we wouldn't be embarrassed. <laughs> you ever thought about that? What if your dog could come in and testify of you in front of the church and tell us what kind of a person you truly are? Oh boy. A righteous man regards the life of his animal. Well, you know what? It reminds me of the guy. This guy strolls into the, to the restaurant. He's got his dog with him. Two of them are asking for a table. Well, the, it's a pretty highfalutin place, and the maitre d' looks at him and says, I'm sorry, we don't serve dogs here. He said, but you don't understand. This is a talking dog. He said, well, I don't believe you. Talking dog? He said, you've got to see this. You've got to give us some dinner. This is my talking dog. He said, prove it to me. He said, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to ask my dog three questions. If he answers all three questions, will you promise, you're going to give me a table, going to serve me a meal? You might as well serve me a free meal. guy said, sure, no problem. Let's hear it. Okay, he turns to his dog and he says, okay, Spot, what's the opposite of smooth? Roof. Wow, one, one out of one. Then, then he turns to him again and he says, okay, Spot, what's the top of the house? Roof. Hey, two out of two. You know, the maitre d's kind of rolling his eyes. Then he says, okay, Spot, now for the grand finale. Who was the best baseball player of all time? Spot goes, Roof. Wow, three out of three. Well, by this time, the maitre d', he's had all he can take. He grabs them both by the scruff of the neck, throws them out of the restaurant. They're laying there on the street corner, and suddenly the dog turns to his master, and he says, I guess with that last question, I should have said Aaron. Here's the moral of the story. Be kind to your animals. Verse 11. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. In, in other words, playing video games all day doesn't get the grass mowed. Sons need to till their land. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the right, root of the righteous yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. In other words, he gets caught in his own lies. But the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The fool thinks he's right. He doesn't need an objective opinion, and yet everyone else sees his folly. Verse 16, a fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers shame. Foolishness is apparent to all. He who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. Words can cut deep, can they not? Some people have a knife for a tongue. There it is. They speak sharp words. We're told here the truthful lip shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. I mean, keep lying long enough and people are going to stop listening to you. You'll be exposed. It said, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No grave trouble will overtake the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil. 
Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. A prudent man conceals knowledge. In other words, he doesn't have to tell you everything he knows. But the heart of fools proclaim foolishness. He disputes out nonstop silliness. Verse 24. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And a chronic worry leads to depression. But a good word makes it glad. Boy, the power of a good word. How just one good word can lift a person's demeanor and just bring them gladness. Here's a little poem by Helen Allison. One little raindrop may think itself too small, yet somewhere a thirsty flower awaits its fall. One little word, unspoken, may seem too small to say, but somewhere for that one word a heart may hope and pray. A woman and her daughter came up to me this morning and she introduced me to her daughter. She's 15 years old. She says, Pastor Sandy, I just think this is so great. This morning my daughter said that you're pretty cool. And I just think it's incredible that a 15-year-old would say that her 50-year-old pastor's cool. Well, I don't know, but that, that really encouraged me. Just one little kind word. You know, it's amazing how we can bless people with just small little tokens, small little words sobering to think how an encouraging word can provide us the lift that we need. Job 6 verse 25 tells us how forceful are right words. Solomon would agree. Verse 26, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, peer pressure isn't just a teenage problem. It's a reality for every age. This is why we need to make sure that we surround ourselves with positive peer pressure. Get with the right people who are headed in the right direction and their example will help you get it right. You know, the Philistines would have never captured Samson had he not let his hair down with the wrong person, with Delilah. Don't let your hair down with the Delilahs. Choose your friends wisely. Just ask Samson. Verse 27 starts with a funny picture. The lazy man does not roast what he took in honey. And this is a guy who's he's been out, he, he bagged several deer, he's got a lot of food, his freezer's full of meat. He's just too lazy to get up and cook the meat that he has. The verse ends, but diligent is man's precious possession. I mean, think of the lumberjack who chops the tree over and over on the same cut line until finally he shouts, timber! The tree topples. I mean, the work is boring, it's mundane, it's tiring, and yet he keeps laying his axe to the same spot on the tree over and over again. Guys, this is how you get up and go to work every morning. It's like falling a tree. It's not always fun. It's not always frills and chills. At times, it's boring, you'd rather sleep in, but diligence is man's precious possession. You keep chopping on that same line, and eventually that tree is going to fall. That's how you work. Chapter 12 ends, and the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Again, that's a probability, not a guarantee. There have been many cases in history when a man's righteous life actually led to his martyrdom. Well, chapter 13 begins, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, 
But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. It's been said it takes a man about 18 months to learn how to talk, then the rest of his life to learn how to keep his mouth shut. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A lazy man desires, but he won't perspire. He thinks that his wages should be no sweat. Guys, nobody's guaranteed a paycheck. It's been said the reason some people don't recognize an opportunity when they meet it is it usually goes around wearing overalls and looks like hard work. Hard work, endurance is the key to realizing your dreams. The great inventor Thomas Edison, he once said this, I am wondering what would have happened to me if some fluent talker had converted me to the theory of an eight-hour work day. If my life had been made up of mere eight-hour days, I do not believe I could have accomplished a great deal. Verse 5 tells us, A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness keeps him whose way is blameless, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Happiness comes with love, not necessarily with lots of money. You know, I believe that if you have to work, do it for as much money as possible, with a few exceptions. Don't forfeit your family. Don't step outside of God's will. Don't compromise your integrity. And don't be miserable at it. Find a good fit where you can use the gifts and talents God has given you to make a living. Well, he says, the ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. How you obtain your money is more important than the money you obtain. He's saying here that honest gain will increase. Wealth gained by dishonesty will diminish. He says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. You know, it's been said, Man can survive 40 days without food, 3 days without water, 12 minutes without air, but not 1 second without hope. And broken promises defer hope. I mean, promise your kids something and go back on your word and it poisons their hearts. Animosity and cynicism set in. Promise an employer a raise and not deliver. And you suddenly have a grumbling employee on your hands. We've got to be very careful with what we promise our kids or what we promise each other. Hope, you know, a promise that's not fulfilled defers hope and it sours a heart. I, I believe our cynical society today is the result of promises we've believed but have never been fulfilled. Verse 13, he who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. 
mean, in the long run, your attitude toward the commandment, toward the Bible, is the greatest determiner of your life. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Notice that. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. Sin makes life hard. God created life to be lived with Him. Life goes better with God. He says, every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. Let me ask you, can you receive a rebuke? Are you open to correction in your life? Or if somebody criticizes you in any way, are you just throw up the walls, throw up the defenses? Oh, you have no right to say that to me. The last person, he entertains a rebuke. But it is an abomination. He says a desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. But it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Once again, choose your friends wisely. Don't hang out with fools. He says, evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Notice this, a good man stores up, not just for his kids, but for his grandkids as well. He's working on his college fund for his grandkids. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. Notice here the poor man's plight. He lacks the investment capital to take advantage of the opportunities available to other men. I mean, if he could plow the land, he could profit, but he can't afford a tractor. That's what he says in verse 23. And for lack of justice, there is waste. Now he says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. If you're a parent, wake yourself up. You need to pay attention to this last verse. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The Hebrew word translated promptly means early. Wait until a kid is 15 years old to exercise discipline and you've waited too late. It's been said the best time to tackle a minor problem is before he grows up. You know, pediatricians tell us that 50% of what a parent can do to shape a child's character has to be done by the age of five. 50%. Children are like wet cement. You've got to shape them before they harden permanently. You know, child development researchers speak of the phoneme contraction. They say that the larynx of a baby is very soft, very pliable, and as he learns words, and as he mimics his parents' language, the larynx hardens around those sounds. In fact, once the larynx forms around certain pronunciations, it's very hard to train the child to make other sounds. But this is why a person's accent is very hard to alter, even later in life. I mean, you can take a baby from France, take that baby, bring them over here, put them in your home, and they'll be speaking English with a southern accent. It's how they, whatever they hear around them, that's, that's how their, their accent hardens in, in shape. And it happens very early in their life. It would be very hard for that child to learn a French accent. 
And this is not just true in language. This is true with other forms of behavior as well. And this is why firm but loving discipline needs to occur very early in a child's life. If you allow a child's attitude to harden upon the wrong assumptions or the wrong responses early in their life, it will be much difficult, much more difficult to change that child later on. You can't reason with a young child. They don't see the negative consequences of their wrong behaviors. That's why you have to manufacture pain for a young child. And you have to associate it with dangerous behavior if you don't want that behavior repeated. This means a spanking. That's what this means. It's biblical. In fact, the Bible tells us if you love your kids, you'll get a rod and you'll spank them. My daddy did it. There's times when he thinks he needs to do it now. My mama did it. You need to do it. If you love your child, you'll spank your child. Notice this. Notice he doesn't say hand. He doesn't say he who spares his hand hates his son. We don't discipline with our hand. We discipline with a rod. We find a neutral object. A rod. Or a belt. Or a paddle. My grandma used a switch. She went out in the backyard. She cut a switch off of one of the bitches out there. And she spanked us with a switch. Remember that, Mom? I mean, my grandma running through the house after me with that switch. In our family, we used a wooden spoon. Going to get the wooden spoon, boys. You want your kids to welcome your hands, but to fear the rod. You know, got to the point where sometimes I would just walk into the living or the kitchen, I grab that wooden spoon, I bring it back in the room, and I just lay that wooden spoon down right on the table. That's all I have to do. Instant behavior. You want them to fear the rod, but welcome your hands. And we're going to talk more as we go through the Proverbs about how and when and why to spank. But for now, know that if you love your kids, you're going to spank them. And you're going to do it early in life. Spankings are far more effective on five-year-olds than they're on 15-year-olds. That's the problem about, about life. After a kid, the older a kid gets, they start hardening. On both ends. They start hardening up here, and they start hardening down here. And that's why spankings don't work as well later on in life. You've got to spank them early. Tonight's last proverb, the righteous ends, I'm sorry, the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. He always wants more. And I hope you want more of the Proverbs and that you'll be back next time. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the wisdom that we can glean through the Proverbs. Continue to speak to our hearts, Lord, as we study your word in the days ahead. Lord, we're in this for the long haul. But we want to be disciples. We want to follow you, Lord, all the days of our life. And we thank you for your word, our God, our encouragement, our help. Continue, Lord, to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.